Ladies and gentlemen, no sweater will warm you, no jumper protect you, for that shiver running through your bones is not the weather's doing. It is, in fact, the cold terror wrought by our two frightening fightsicles. In this corner, the Christmas spirit will change you whether you like it or not. Put your mittens together for monsters! And the challenger with ice water in its veins, are you afraid of the dark? Why, I'm frozen with fear just thinking about... Put up your spoons! T'was the night before Christmas when all through the castle My monsters were having a yuletide hassle The tree was all trimmed in ghoulish things Like werewolf fangs and vampire wings But they were up to no good this week's theme, Winter Spirits. Cheers. Cheers. I'm drinking the last of my eggnog. I'm drinking the last of my boozy eggnog. It's Christmas time, and much like um, you with Halloween episodes, boy, there's really no more Christmas episodes for me to utilize. Yeah, as, as I've been heard saying on other channels, winter horror is a pretty wide theme, and I think, I think if you spread your net wide enough and expand your definition of, of what counts right we'll we'll get something and so in that spirit i bring you are you afraid of the dark the tale of the frozen ghost now interesting story this is the only episode that i actually remember the first time i saw it and perhaps i should save this for the uh for the, for the battle, for putting up my, my spooks, but we were staying at my aunt's lake cabin for like a weekend, or you know, like a Friday, Saturday, and uh, they had like a little, like a main cabin and a little sub house, and the sub house is where we were staying, but the sub house didn't have cable, and it was Saturday night, but the main house did have cable, so of course my sister and I, Saturday night, we had to get into the main house and see our snick, our Saturday night nick, and... The Are You Afraid of the Dark that night was Tale of the Frozen Ghost, and I remember it chilling me to the bone. I mean, going to stay with your aunts, that's, uh... <laughs> it was. That, it was. That's, that's ripped straight yeah. from the episode. Unfortunately, they freaky. weren't actually there. They just let us use the cabin, but same, same basic principle. So, it's hot in the Midnight Society. Very hot. I was confused. <laughs> I was like, wait a minute, because I always imagine them in this you know forest in canada somewhere even in the summertime a night you know a night out in the forest is probably going to cool down somewhat but not this night well you know i had to go and look up what the hottest night on record was A a while back there was a heat wave that broke like a 100 year record and it was about 95 degrees at night well that is pretty hot that's very hot. There you go. So they've redubbed themselves the Heat Wave Society with a nod and a wink. But don't worry, because Kristen's got a story guaranteed to give everyone a massive case of the shivers. It's the tale of the frozen ghost. So, Charles Pemberton Schilling the third. I didn't bother to go look it up on IMDb. And his babysitter Daphne, played by Clarissa Explains It All, Melissa Joan Hart, are sent to stay with Charles' aunts while his parents are at a wedding. Right off the bat, it becomes clear that Daphne is super sick of Charles' bullshit because he's a spoiled little bratty kid who can't take care of himself and sucks and is awful. So they pull up to this broken-down 
dark house in a limo, uh, which is just the ultimate dick move, because their aunts are clearly on hard times. Daphne goes to knock on the door, and there's a rocking chair on the porch, and it's rocking creepily. And so she goes over to it, and it's like as soon as she approaches, it stops. It freezes in place. There's a lot of really neat Evil Dead sort of touches in this episode. Uh, she knocks on the door, and the aunts answer the door. And it turns out they're super nice and wonderful. And they're not creepy at all. But as they're ushering everyone inside, one of them looks around suspiciously before closing the door. The aunts, who are elderly, drag Charles' gigantic trunk up the stairs. And, you know, Daphne's like, I I can help you. I'm young and spry. And they're like, no, no, we want to be good hosts. (laughs) They do this, like, Laurel and Hardy routine. And one aunt says, I thought we weren't going to talk about that. And the other aunt says, I only said hosts, not ghosts. And then Charles is like, ghosts? And again... Daphne is super sick of his bullshit as he's like unpacking all his clothes and saying that they're going to get wrinkly. So she goes to draw him a bath. And as soon as she leaves the room, Charles hears an eerie voice that says, he's like, did you hear that? And she's like, it was just the wind, you dummy. Get in your bath. So he gets in his bath and he's looking up at the ceiling and there's like a, a naked bulb. These aunts are poor. Okay, they can't even afford proper lighting fixtures. So there's just a naked bulb hanging from a chain from the ceiling. And as he's looking at it, it starts swinging wildly back and forth. And then it freezes at an angle. Again, Evil Dead style. Pretty creepy. So he's just getting more and more freaked out with all this weird shit that's happening. Uh, And he can hear through the pipes the aunts and Daphne talking downstairs. And they're trying to light their wood stove. uh, But it always backs up. It always goes out. And but it's. It's their only option because their, uh, their electricity's out since they haven't paid their bills in three months. Daphne asks them why they don't just get money from Charles' parents since they're super rich. And they tell Daphne a story about how the, the family kind of split at one point because one of, the, one of their people hired some criminal, some bank robber, to work the farm. And the other brother or whomever didn't think it was a good idea. And so there was like a rift and... The two sides of the families haven't really gotten along since. They tell Daphne that the criminal was arrested and killed in a train crash. But they never found his body. At this point, I was convinced that the aunts were ghosts. Oh. And that they had died months ago. <laughs> and that's why the power bill hadn't been paid. Right. And why they were trying not to talk about ghosts. And everything was cold and dusty. And they were acting all weird. Like It makes total sense. It all made sense to me that they were ghosts at this point. Yeah. Because it was shot in a pretty creepy way, as you're saying. They were definitely using, like every trick in the book oh yeah they were going through like the horror style guide and just like (laughs) using every technique it was fun yeah i think that also would have been cool but i mean maybe that is the case anyway at dinner a little bit later all the power's still out and uh one of the windows blows open and shatters a pie on the ground and then they tell another story about how they had a maintenance man on the property but he quit after he saw the ghost and then they don't talk about it anymore. <laughs> they're, 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 they're at first trying to be so cagey about the ghost, and now they're just letting it slip like crazy. So that night, Charles has this crazy nightmare about a bad guy, basically the bank robber. Uh, try, and he's like hiding out inside a log, and the, the bad guy's trying to take something from him. Is it clear? I think it's clear that the bad guy rips his jacket off and pulls it out of the log, and 
Just at that moment, Charles wakes up in a fright. His window blows open, and when he looks outside, he sees a ghostly little boy who says, I'm cold. And then he vanishes into the darkness. Charles rushes into Daphne's room, wakes her up. He doesn't just rush into her room. He does like a uh, Benny Hill-style fast motion <laughs> in the staircase like yeah. in the staircase back like ru- back and forth running around spinning around that was very very avant-garde <laughs> like you said every trick in the book so daphne's super sick of his bullshit and she kicks him out and slams the door in his face the next day at breakfast they're talking to the aunts one of whom is crocheting like a bloody axe or something i don't know if you noticed this i had never not. i had never noticed it before i urge you to go back to the video because She's like, uh, liter- she's like crocheting, and there's like an axe with blood dripping off it into a bloody puddle. No matter how much you urge me, I will not be going back to this episode. <laughs> and I did not notice the crocheting because my attention was severely strained by you know, this point. I, I was kind of bummed out going back to it because it's a very slow build. So slow. A little too much exposition before they get to the main show. So... He tells them that he saw the ghost and it talked to him, and one of the aunts is pissed because the ghost never talked to her before. So the cat's out of the bag. They finally tell them the story of a little boy who was found frozen to death on the property. Just then, the stove goes out, so Daphne and Charles go out to chop some more wood. Charles is complaining about getting dirty, but Daphne, being super sick of his bullshit, smears a bunch of mud all over him, and he's, like, crying and blubbering. And then they both hear the voice saying... And Daphne is intrigued, so she goes off to investigate, and Charles is all alone out in the woods. And suddenly, footprints appear in the mud, coming right for him. So he turns to flee, but the ghost is right behind him, and Dutch Angle, big time. And he runs all through the woods, but the ghost is there at every turn, every time he runs behind a new tree. There's the ghost. And eventually he trips and falls, gets his boots stuck in the mud, he falls into a mud puddle. Daphne pulls him out, and they both see the ghost, the little boy ghost, who has kind of herded them to this place. He points to a log, and they look inside, and they find his jacket, although it doesn't really make sense because the robber pulled off his jacket and took it out of the log, but maybe the dream was not true reality. We've unreliable dream narrator. So they find the jacket inside the log, and a key falls out. They give the jacket to the ghost, He's rosy and warm now, so he vanishes. Back home, they give the key to the aunts, who recognize it as the key to the flue in their wood stove. They unlock the flue, and all these gold coins fall out. And it's the money the bank robbers stole, hid in the house. The little boy saw it while he was trying to steal cookies. And the bank robber chased him out into the woods. He hid in the log. The bank robber stole his jacket, and then he froze to death. It's quite tragic. Pretty brutal. Pretty, pretty fucking brutal. But, at least now, the aunts don't have to worry about money. Maylene? Greta? I have a feeling your money troubles are over. Cut back to the Midnight Society, who are all wrapped up in their jackets, despite the 95 degree heat. And I will say that, despite the extremely slow build, and the extreme amount of exposition, whenever the ghost appeared... And I remember this at my aunt's cabin by the lake. It was genuinely chilling, and it was a little bit chilling now, too. Maybe it's just sense memory, but as I rewatched it when the ghost reappeared and it was, like, popping up, you know, every time he turned around, and his little weird I'm cold refrain was quite eerie. Uh, it, it was a 
pretty well shot episode and they did a good job with that kid like he was he was like a creepy little boy they made him real pale and they like bounced all this light off of his like what white pajamas so he like glowed um yeah he was super creepy looking so they were isolated they were in the woods it was at night but the big climactic sequence with the ghost was, was during daylight. the day. Yeah. Well, the, the initial ghost spook happened at night. You're right about it. Evil Dead. There was one sequence where like an invisible presence rushes in from the backyard and it's like knocking stuff over yeah. and like uh, lunging up towards the window. I never noticed the Evil Dead influence until this this watch through, but it's there. Oh yeah. I realized that in general, the Midnight Society's reaction to anyone who tries to do anything scary or spooky is they're either annoyed or outright hostile <laughs> it's like they hate being scared yeah they're they terrified horror they're a they bunch of little anyone scaredy trying pants. to scare them <laughs> but they're the midnight society they gather in the woods to tell horror stories right because they're trying to wean themselves away from that fear they need they need practice i swear every episode <laughs> that goes by i like the midnight society less no wonder you wrote a story about the Midnight Society all getting brutally burnt. Which you can find in We Bleed, Orange and Black. So you realize that the aunts are going to have to give that money back, right? They, they well, what's get, the statute of limitations? Because if you find gold that's been buried on your property, like it depends how long it's been there, I think, before you can't claim it. And it's been there for like a generation at this point. I feel like they were saying all of it goes back to great-grandfather's time. Yeah, well, there you go. So it's been there for like three generations. So they do can you, probably keep it. Do you think they told such a dense, convoluted story <laughs> specifically to adhere to yeah. the statute of limitations? <laughs> so they have a good alibi. Property? Uh, you know, um, now that you mention it, too, I'm surprised there wasn't an antagonistic bank robber ghost. Because he never found his body. Uh, maybe he just escaped. Maybe he didn't die. Exactly. Or he didn't die in the crash violently. You know, he, he died of ripe old age after he changed his ways. So the little ghost boy would go to the kitchen regularly for cookies. He f saw the farm worker slash bank robber hide a bunch of gold in a stovepipe. So the little boy stole the key to the stovepipe? And mm -hmm, then mm -hmm. the robber chased him into a log. Mm -hmm. And then the robber stole his coat so he'd freeze to death. But then put the coat back in there with the key that he needed to get into the stovepipe. And then the police showed up and put him on a train that crashed. It didn't make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't. The other thing that's weird is that they didn't... Well, the aunts say they found him in like a woodshed. They do not say that they found the little boy in a log. So if he, if his jacket was still in the log, I mean, maybe he was just too scared to go back for it. I could have sworn there was snow when I submitted this episode for your approval. But yeah, there's no goddamn approval snow in denied. it. Approval <laughs> It's just cold, that's all. And the Midnight Society is in the dead of summer. I couldn't have gone more wrong. Well, why don't you take us to a more wintry place there, Jeffy Lantern? I mean, Jeffel Bells. <laughs> so my episode of Monsters was called A New Woman. We open on a festive tune and slow shots of Christmas decorations, and then reveal an old bedridden man on heavy-duty breathing devices. 
A quirky doctor in an old-timey waistcoat and ascot is tending to Thomas, the sick man. Thomas's wife, Jessica, a cast-iron bitch in a classic 80s white suit with huge shoulder pads, comes in and starts giving the doctor attitude. Time to shrew, 1 minute 49 seconds. Doc pulls the mask aside to reveal some really just nasty pustules on Thomas's face. And he says he has a sickness that comes from inside and it can't be cured unless he wants to get better. Jessica is like, "Uh uh-huh, yeah, whatever. She's literally perched over her husband's deathbed with a contract and a pen. So David, uh, the nephew, comes in to see how his poor Uncle Thomas is doing. And all Jessica can think about is getting the contract signed so that she can bulldoze a homeless shelter to make way for new development. David begs her not to. A moral obligation to tear down a homeless shelter so you can build a high-rise? You're talking about putting people on the street at Christmas. Nobody gets a free ride, David. It wonderfully summarizes this extremely pat and cliche Uh plot. So David says that he intends to modify the contract to keep the shelter. Jessica says that when his uncle is dead, she's going to inherit everything become president of the company that employs David and owns the building where he currently, and she stresses, currently resides. All this shouting wakes up Thomas. He, you know, they they each ask him to to take their side. And at first he's like, make buildings, make money. I've lived my life by that principle. But then he admits that, you know, maybe he he should have done more good things in his life. Uh, When he sleeps... He feels cold, icy hands pulling him down to a dark place, and he doesn't want to be there for eternity. He has a little change of heart, and he asks David to drop a new contract to save the shelter. And then he turns to his wife, Jessica, and he says, change my will. You know, let's leave something for David and his family after all. So apparently David had been, like, cut out of the will up until this point. So Jessica is unhappy with this turn of events. And David leaves to go draw up the contract to save the homeless shelter on Christmas. And Jessica says, you know what? You're not in your sound mind. And she begins sort of teasing the power cord to the life support machine. Just then, the weird doctor shows up, catches her in the act. She tries to bribe him with money and then with sex but he only wants her to change and become a good woman. Change your ways, Jessica, or you'll be visited by spirits so awful they'll terrify you into changing. Jessica defiantly tells the spirits to do their worst. At that very moment, she is blasted with spirit power and a a wave of blue light knocks her to the ground ripping the plug for the life support machine out in the process. Next, we see the aftermath of the funeral. Jessica is now in a full-length fur coat, symbolizing her success, <laughs> her, her victory and in inheritance. And she pushes uh, like some building plans onto David for the whatever is going up in place of the homeless shelter. And she's like, yeah... I look forward to hearing your notes later. She's walking around, feeling rich, digging her full-length fur coat, 
love and life, having a very Merry Christmas, when she starts to hear her ex-husband, or her late husband, Thomas's voice. And she slowly wonders if she's going mad. Just then, Thomas puts up his spooks by appearing in the reflection <laughs> of the table, goosebumps style. Oh, yeah. But then he just physically barges in from outside, which is great. <laughs> Does she, like, wave him away? Or so, like, she, like, brushes him off the table? She throws her, like, her bourbon or, like, her glass oh, of scotch right, yeah. onto the table to <laughs> yeah. wash away the cheesy and it works. Uh, reflection. But that's not going to work when he just busts in from outside. And now he is next level He's just grody. a walking pustule. He is encrusted with boils and sores and tumors. And, like, his hair is all fallen out and the whole top of his head is covered in quivering lumps of goo. It is really vile. And I got to hand it to the the crew on Monsters. Bravo. They really nailed it on on this one. So we saw something similar in... um, the one about the, the stubborn Kentucky old man. Fella. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking so, the same thing as I watched. I was like, oh, God, not again. <laughs> I feel like this was worse. I'm, I'm not sure. It was pretty bad. I had to avert my eyes. So she fears that uh, her dead husband, Thomas, has come back for revenge for all the terrible things she's done. But he just wants a piece of that ass. <laughs> then more doors bust open and the skeleton zombies from that episode the hole appear on the porch (laughs) and they're like reaching out gibbering so thomas gives jessica the kiss of a dead leper and soon her face is covered in crusty tumors she swears to change her ways the ghost vanishes her face back goes back to normal and she wakes up on a fainting couch she looks over to see that thomas has made a full recovery and that david has helped him mend his wicked ways The weird doctor returns one last time and then he grabs her hands and makes them all scabby and gross again just to warn her that if she ever slips up, it's back to the ghost leper colony. The end. Merry Christmas. But he doesn't, he doesn't change her hands into boils. She's like, she's like, oh, you're, you're cured, my weird husband. Thank goodness. And then she goes to talk to the doctor and she's like, but then again, maybe I could still tear down that old, or that combless shelter. And he's like, why, yada? And then he boils out her hands and she's like, oh, never mind. And I lost $19.7 million. Not to mention controlling interest in Beckman Developments. But the, the fact is, she proves that she really can't change unless threatened with direct, boily punishment. So at the end of the episode, you know, when Jessica wakes up from her dark vision of what could be and what will be if she does not change her ways, her husband is signing some paperwork with David. And David and the weird doctor are like both grinning ear to ear. And that shot, combined with a line from, the, from IMDb, the summary... Where it says, like, you know, uh, a rich husband is on his deathbed. Inspired by Dickens' Christmas Carol, the husband's strange doctor tries to scare her straight. Part of me was like, oh, this whole thing was a trick for, like, the doctor and David to get back in the will. Because David and his family had been cut out of the will and Mm. he was going to lose control of the company. And I was like, this weird doctor... 
like maybe like did something when he grabbed her hands and you know she has this like weird acid trip and because they the the husband goes from being like slightly warty and gross to being like a hundred percent fine uh-huh. and i was Magically like was this slash miraculously or was it all a scam were, were the was he not really sick and this this was all all a put on he hired the makeup artists from the show monsters to yeah. fake his out favorite his show it, well, he, you know, he heard they were the best in the business. No one does pustules like the Monster Crew. And, you know, it being a, a horror show, I thought, like, you know, there's got to be more to it than this. Like, some ghosts show up and scare her straight, happy ending. Uh, where's the twist? Where's the horror? Where's the downbeat ending? None of it. None of it was there. You know, we seem to be finding with Christmas episodes that they're often kind of dashed off you know the writer's room wants to go home it was up there with the coco sleigh ride episode of so weird we should uh if we ever get a tv show which is is looking likely at this point yeah um, 2021 baby we should uh make an episode a christmas episode that's about that that's like somehow seems like half-assed on the surface but then has some hidden depths that's about how things are half-assed uh we'll workshop it I think that's good enough. We're yep, just going to well, have that's acid. True. So. Christmas. <laughs> Done. Nailed it. Merry Christmas. Try never to forget. For my episode, I've got a time to shrew at yep. 149. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think that really applies to your episode. Nope. No, t- no kryptonite here. Body count for my episode, zero. Sadly. Uh, what would you say the body count for yours was? I would say zero. The ghost was already a ghost. He was already dead. Uh, monsters. Scare factor, I'd say medium. If we're, if we're grading it on the same kind of curve that we do for the kid shows, seeing like that super gross old man yeah, when he's all covered in tumors and the pus is all gooping down his face. It's more a gross factor, but it, it uh, yeah, on that curve, sure. Medium scares. Yeah, I mean... It would be scary, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. but you know, scare factor for uh, uh, "Are You Afraid of the Dark" was, you know, pretty decent. Yeah. They, they squandered a lot of it with they, the old lady did. banter. I would say, uh, based on my only my own experiences, and this being the only one that I ever remember actually watching and re- and being genuinely chilled by it back then. Yeah, I would say it has a pretty good scare factor. Gross factor. I mean, for monsters... Yeah, through the roof, as usual. 100%, like, maxed out <laughs> gross factor. Yeah. Possibly one of the grossest, if not the grossest episode we've ever done. But it's up there with A Case of the Stubborns. That, that, I feel like that one was more gross, because at least we didn't have to see this guy eating anything. Oh, you're right. All right, so I'll say this is the second grossest episode <laughs> we've ever done. Uh, what the factor for monsters was... Low. Um, oh, yeah, I was, we knew. I was a little confused there wasn't any twist to it. Yeah. It was just so straight down the middle. Such an obvious Dickens ripoff. Um, very low what the factor. Tale of the Frozen Ghost, what do you think? It, it has a little bit of that sweet, sweet kids show what the factor. I mean, we were scratching our heads we're, trying to figure out what actually happened yeah. to who, when, and the coat, and the kid, and the log, and the cabin. Theme of wintry ghosts. I mean, just on ghost count, I feel like I have more spirits. Yeah, you got in my the edge episode. there. Uh, you got all those skeleton ghosts, skeleton zombies. Yeah, the skeleton ghosts, 
But your ghost was constantly complaining of being cold. It was. And that's that's got to count for it's something. It's my only leg up in this war. He was a cold, cold ghost. Frozen, if, 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 if some might say. <laughs> if the tales are true. <laughs> okay, totally 80s. Uh, in Monsters, Ooh, yeah. we've got, Outf- you got the, that the gold digging shrew wife in the shoulder pads. I mm-hmm. felt very good about that. And, and, and even like a cartoony villain trying to demolish a homeless shelter on Christmas to put up a high rise, that uh-huh. felt very solidly 80s to me as well. Yeah, for sure. Uh, how about you? What's your hella 90s? The only 90s factor I have is Melissa Joan Hart. That's all I got going for me. Not not insignificant. So for monsters, I think the lesson learned is that if you're rich and powerful, the spirit world will intervene and force you to go to heaven after your long life of luxury. And for Are You Afraid of the Dark, I feel that the lesson learned is don't be so worried about your jacket getting wrinkly and dirty because some little frozen boys don't even have jackets. Very well then. In this bout, the... Trunks? What do you win in boxing? I think the trunks you, go to... I you, take off my you, trunks you, and give them... You win the trunks, right? You beat the other man unconscious and take, yeah, his, take trunks. his trunks. The trunks go to monsters! <laughs> and your, your episode had a Christmas tree also, so... Kind of it the automatic Christmas winner. music, Christmas decor. Yeah, for this Christmas episode of Put Up Your Spooks. So, we've talked about uh, the ghosts of Christmas, past, present, and future in some of our other episodes and our other shows, uh, talking about our favorite ones, trying to figure out whether or not they were actually ghosts that just occupy an office that perform these tasks in uh, Charles Dickens's A Christmas Girl. Mm -hmm. There's two points I wanted to bring up that I thought were pretty interesting. One is that uh, the ghost of Christmas present lifts his robe to reveal two dirty children that are like all emaciated uh-huh. and like animalistic want and, and greed are they the, are they the two their names are ignorance and want ignorance and want most of all beware this boy beware them both and all of their degree but most of all beware this boy for on his brow i see that written which is doom unless the writing be erased and that's something that often gets left out when we talk about the ghosts of a christmas carol or you know we forget what's going on like we kind of remember jacob marley as sort of a side ghost but we forget like those terrifying ghoulish ghost children that <laughs> represent mankind's uh, depravity and inequality and foolishness yeah i, I don't know if those were real I mean, they may have just been specters that the ghost of Christmas present conjures. I think they are under the robes of the ghost of Christmas present, who he's got a wreath on his head. He's got like uh, horns of plenty. He's got like big feasts attend him wherever he goes. He's all gregarious. Mm, but beneath it all. Because he represents christmas that's going on right now today and he shows you all the parties and all the people that are partying and if you peel back the curtain you see that there are people who have not there are people who are starving Um, also people who are shitty and stupid and people who are shitty and stupid and and I, i think that's sort of a a really you know poignant message 
when you talk about Christmas and society and things like that. But also, even in the the text itself, he's he's been basically taking Scrooge to parties and like Scrooge is actually like having a good time and like seeing his relatives and like shouting answers along to these trivia games and you know he wants to stay and he's getting into the Christmas spirit and right before he leaves him the ghost of Christmas present shows him these two horrible urchins and as like this is what is also going on in the shadows of these parties and Scrooge at this point has softened up and he's like well can't can't there be anything done to help these kids and then the ghost of Christmas present throws Scrooge's words from before back in his face and he's like aren't there workhouses Mm -hmm. you know aren't there prisons to put these people in and then he steps out and then the spectral form of the ghost of Christmas future steps in. It's like a real gut punch. Try never to forget. (laughs) (laughs) And a very Merry Christmas to you. So, Ryan, we've reached the end of 2020, and I, I think it's time we should put it to the old ratings test. Shoot. Body count, uh, let's pass. Scare factor, high. Scare factor, high. 100%. Gross factor, mm, Pretty high. high. What the factor, through Ooh, the yeah. roof. Extraordinarily high. <laughs> Vink factor, pretty high. A lot of scientists and weird shit going on, and... A lot of crazy old men ranting in public. A lot of crazy old men ranting and pretending to have specialties that they don't clearly don't have. <sighs> okay, theme of 2020? Spot on, I, I would I'd say. say. Yeah, I, don't, I couldn't I don't really ask get... for, for more. Um, lesson learned. Rerun for your life. Fightsicles, it's a thing. 